Welcome to the No Meh Movies Podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright? It's average. It's just okay. If you ask your friends if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris and he's Darren Cross. And on this show, we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad. And whether or not you should watch them. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Now for a movie to qualify as meh, it must be between 40 and 60 on the tomato meter or 4 and 6 on IMDb. And the movie we chose this week in honor of Birds of Prey, the fan- I think it's the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn coming out in theaters this weekend, we had to jump back into the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe now, like we said last week, we could have done Suicide Squad, but we have done a lot of Will Smith lately. So instead, we are going to do 2017's Justice League, which scores a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.4 on IMDb, making it a meh movie. Spoiler warning, of course. Spoiler warning for Justice League and all the other DCEU movies. It's going to be hard to talk about it without talking about everything that's going on in this universe. Some of the comic book stuff. So, spoiler warning for everything. Darren, in case it's been a while since they've seen it or they've never seen it before. And by the way, uh, when we were announcing the movie last week, it wasn't available on streaming services. Now it's available on streaming services. So, if you have the TNT or TBS app, or I think Hulu with live TV subscription, You can watch it. So if you haven't watched it and you want to pause the podcast, watch it, and come back to the podcast, you're more than welcome to. Darren and Case has been a while since they've seen it or they've never seen it before. What is Justice League all about? It is about Superman's dead to begin with. Well, real bummer, Darren. (laughs) The rest of the story won't seem magical (laughs) unless Charles Dickens writes it. Um, so Superman dies, then some other superheroes get together because they realize that a mean man named Steppenwolf is, uh, trying to come to earth and put together these three mother boxes. And like a lot of superheroish movies, when you get three things together that are magical or multiple things together that are magical, you become super powerful. So they were trying to stop him from getting them together and um, essentially get rid of Steppenwolf, who existed once upon a time, but was cast away. And, you know, superhero things ensue. And superhero things ensue. That's that's probably the pitch meeting that they went in with. <laughs> yeah, Steppenwolf shows up, there's mother boxes, and then superhero things yeah, ensue. Yeah, they do the superhero things. Yeah, perfect. All right. That is the synopsis we're giving you for Justice League. Darren... The first question we ask of all our meh movies is, did the movie do what it was supposed to do? So this superhero, what do they call it? Oh, they called it just a superhero film. Okay. Based on the DC Comics, did it do what it was supposed to do? So I'm going to preface with saying, I think you and I will have a different view of a lot of this stuff because you're much more into the superhero universes than I am. So I'm looking at this 
with a novice amount of information about the DC Extended Universe. Oh, don't worry. By the end of this hour, (laughs) you will know a lot. So, picture me a standard moviegoer who just thought that a nice action superhero film would be fun. So, I said the movie did do what it was supposed to do. I was entertained by it. There was superheroes, five or six of them. It was entertaining. There was action. There was a storyline that was kept me enthralled. I was never bored, I would say, during the movie. The whole Superman thing of him being dead and then they bring him back to life. Spoiler, we gave you a spoiler, spoiler warning. Yeah, we gave you that warning. <laughs> uh, that was a little odd. And, and I don't know, just the, the way they depicted it and like kind of how it weaved into the story was just seemed a little like forced almost. But overall, as functioning as was, was this a superhero movie that's meant to entertain and have a lot of action and maybe some comic relief here and there. Uh, yes, I would say this movie did do what it was supposed to do. I'm going to say as just a superhero film, taking away all the other context away from it of you know where this movie lies in comic book history or DCEU history, as just a superhero film, I will agree with you that yes, the movie did what it was supposed to do. We've got our superheroes fighting supervillains. We've got some comic book lore. We've got comedy. We've got action. We've got drama. It has all the pieces there. It did do what it was supposed to do. But if you put all that context back in, (laughs) no, this movie did not do what it was supposed to do. This was supposed to be... So here's where it gets complicated. You can't say it was the jumping off point for the DCEU because they already did movies, two movies leading into it. Mm-hmm. Maybe even more, three movies leading into it? Four. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that it was the culmination of the DCEU because it wasn't. There were plans for, to do many follow-up movies after this. So in continuing this story and tying together storylines from previous films and setting up the future, this thing falls flat on its face in all of those aspects. We will get into the comic book lore and all that stuff as we go, but this movie tried to be a lot of things. And DC has pivoted, as you will see in this Harley Quinn movie coming up, DC has pivoted and they decided let's let our unlike Marvel let's let our shared universe be a loosely based shared universe we're gonna do a Harley Quinn movie because it's fun and Margot Robbie's a good actress and we got her locked into a character and we're gonna put her on screen and let her have fun how it ties in now I haven't seen it yet maybe maybe there's a post credit scene or maybe there is stuff in there that connects it all together There's a new Batman movie coming out. They did Shazam. And these movies just exist. They're all aware of each other. They're all aware that other heroes and characters exist in the DC world. But I'm assuming that this Birds of Prey movie is just going to be about Harley Quinn and the other women that she teams up with. And the one villain they're facing. And should be a fun ride. So Justice League is the moment they pivoted to this. Because of what happens with Justice League in 2017. They pivot to this new model. So 
And you don't pivot if the movie that came for it did not do what it was supposed to do. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's my long, winding answer uh, for our first question. Let's talk a little bit about who's in this movie, Darren. Let's talk a little bit about this cast because this is a huge cast. I'm going to run through it pretty quick. Uh, our superheroes, we've got Ben Affleck as Batman. We've got Henry Cavill as Superman. Gail Gadot as Wonder Woman. Ezra Miller as The Flash. Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Then those are our superheroes. Then we have Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Diane Lane as Martha Kent. Connie Nielsen as Queen Hippolyta, the Amazonian queen. It's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Sierra Hines as Steppenwolf. He did the motion capture, I believe, for Steppenwolf. I'm not sure about the voice. I could be mistaken there. Amber Heard as Mira and Joe Morton as Silas Stone. So that is our cast, Darren. Like I said, a huge cast. Who do you got for your top performer, and what do you think of this cast? Before I say my top performer, I will say that I did not dislike Ben Affleck as Batman as much as I thought I was going to. So I did not see, I've not seen any of the Ben Affleck Batman movies. There have only been two. So there was Batman versus Superman, right. Dawn of Justice, which led up to this. Right, right, right. This. So I jumped right from, I don't know, whoever was. Christian, bef- Christian Bale. Well, but Christian Bale was, did it all happen at the same time? Because Christian Bale was after Affleck. Was he before and after Ben Affleck? No, he was just before. That was all before this? It was all before. The Dark Knight trilogy was all before this. Uh, there were plans for a whole nother uh, Justice League in like 2007. And there was a whole completely different cast. They didn't want to include any of the Dark Knight stuff. They were basically like, how about you let us finish our Dark Knight trilogy and then do whatever you want with I Batman okay, kind okay, of thing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so I only knew Batman as Christian Bale. So I will say that's just a side note. He's not my top actor, but... I did not dislike him as much as I thought I was going to as Batman. For me, it was narrowed down between two people, so I'm just going to pick one. I wanted to pick Sierra Hines, but it's hard because so much of it is like not him. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's certainly acting and doing all, all this stuff, but a lot of it is like computer-generated stuff, like you just said, like... Motion capture, which I know still is related to the human body, but voice, makeup, you know, the whole nine yards. So it was a toss-up between him and who I ended up going with, which was actually Ezra Miller as Flash. I found him the most entertaining of all of the superheroes. I don't think he necessarily stretched himself. I wouldn't say he, like, really went after it, but I think he did exactly what he needed to do, and he was funny enough to kind of balance out the seriousness of pretty much everyone else. Although I think every character has a little joke here and there maybe. Yeah, he brought this like levity, which I felt like at the time when we really get introduced to him, not when he's seeing his father in prison, but a little bit later on when he kind of gets more into form. I thought he brought some levity that the film needed at the time. And I was waiting for it to get annoying and there was maybe one or two jokes or just like, all right, it's a little too much. But for the most part, I didn't find it annoying and I found it um, fun and enjoyable. So I said, thanks, Ezra Miller. Interesting choice. So here is my hang up with The Flash. Tell me. 
I agree with you. Ezra Miller is fantastic. I agree with you there. However, I watched for a long time the Flash TV show that's airing right now on the CW. And he was nothing like this. No. <laughs> God. So, such a different characterization. The Flash on TV, pretty intelligent, like super intelligent. Uh, the Flash in the movie, he's kind of portrayed as not intelligent. I mean... I don't know if he's supposed to be not intelligent or just real goofy. Yeah, it's weird. He like doesn't, you know, east and west. He gets confused by directions. He... I don't know, something about him just... He seems aloof. Aloof, yeah. yeah. Like he's, I mean, he doesn't... He seems like a C-plus student. I don't know. It's just <laughs> That's just kind of how he comes off. And uh, the Flash in the TV show is kind of a beacon of hope for Central City. And in this one, he, I mean, he's not. No one knows who he is. He's completely undiscovered. Sure. In that one, he's art, in the TV show, he's already established as working as a CSI. When he when he gets struck by the lightning, the speed force basically. In this, we have no backstory. We don't we we don't know where he's coming from. We yeah, know we he's just, trying to become a CSI. We just found out that he got struck by lightning, and that's about it. In a one dial one throwaway line of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really hard for me to lock into this <laughs> flash. Like, I will agree, he probably brings the most levity to the movie, and I enjoyed those moments. But yeah, this is. This is good. I like this conversation because we're coming from like a lot of context and very little context. <laughs> well, with that being said, my top performer, I got to give it to Gail Gadot as Wonder Woman. What perfect casting like to put her as Wonder Woman. Like It's kind of amazing. She nails being heroic. She nails being sharp and intelligent. She nails the physicality needed for the part uh, to be an Amazonian warrior. I just think of all these people, like every time I wanted to see someone like step up and like have a moment with the villain, it was her. I love that she got so many times where she's like, look, I'm the, you know, I'm the star point guard. (laughs) Give me the ball. I'm going to face the villain, you know? And, and Batman even kind of pushes in her role throughout the movie, you know, tells her she needs to step into the light more. And it'll be interesting to see where her character goes with that advice in future movies. Because I know the movie that's coming out this year is still a prequel, and like said, in the 1980s. So it'll all happen before this. <laughs> They're not making it easy on themselves. So yeah, so she was my she was my top performer. Although I have to say that I really think this entire cast kind of fit their roles perfectly. I really do enjoy Henry Cavill as Superman. He just wasn't in it enough. I like Ben Affleck better as Batman in uh, in his first attempt at it. In this one, I felt like he was a little gruffer in that one, a little angrier, a little darker. In this one, it felt like he was slipping just more back into Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And Jason Momoa is hilarious as Arthur Curry as Aquaman. That's perfect. Perfect casting. Yeah. If you want for a, a cool, brooding new Aquaman, yeah, perfect casting there. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought some of the stuff, and it's not his acting, mostly, well, a little bit of his acting, but mostly the writing. Some of the stuff I was like, it was a little over the top, and maybe it was intentional to be over the top, but I agree. For the most part, he he, he was a good Aquaman. I think they were pushing Aquaman like that because Aquaman tends to be a running joke when it comes to the Justice League. So, you know, they pushing, like, they pushing like, how be a cool little ridiculous. he is now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and the supporting cast are all fine actors. I just don't think anyone gave a really great performance out of the entire supporting cast. 
So yeah, so there you go. That's what we think about this cast. Now, Darren, we're moving into the meat and potatoes of our show. It is time to talk successes and failures. What do you got for me? Where does this movie succeed? Where does it fail? I put the action overall as a success. Minus the very opening scene with Batman where he um, is going after that robber of some sort. We'll talk about that scene. That was a weird, like, cartoony meld of cartoon and real world that the rest of the film wasn't. Uh, so I did, wasn't a fan of that action. But the rest of the film, I thought the action was pretty good. A lot of different settings going on where we're under water were in like a infested I don't even know what to call the Russia nuclear land, nuclear, nuclear land. plant sure yeah. yeah we're in like a train station and what so it's kind of all over there's a lot happening um I thought like the cuts and things were done well it wasn't like shooting at you know you could follow what was happening so yeah so I gave uh overall good action I will actually agree with the action. That was my biggest success were the action scenes. Uh, the scene in the tunnel was really cool. Barry Allen's first fight and the way the Flash had to step up was an interesting plot point. Yeah. And it, again, it, it was some good laughs and it was a good heroic moment for the Flash to you know save one person and then you'll know what to do. Right, right. The, the Batman tunnel crawler thing was a little weird. Of all the bat vehicles, that one was a little strange. Um, I'll address that in my nitpicks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Wonder Woman got to show up and show how strong she is. Steppenwolf got to show how dangerous he was. So yeah, that tunnel scene was pretty cool. And then the final fight, um, you know, they, they really let him go. Those scenes were pretty cool. Yeah. And then Superman coming back into the fight. And just dominating Steppenwolf, basically. It would have set up some interesting stuff for the future of Justice League. But, you know, I don't think we're going to find out. There's no plans for another Superman movie, so I'm not sure if we're going to find out where that could go. So, uh, the other scene is when they fight Superman. And actually, there's some really cool behind-the-scenes docs on YouTube. Not docs, but there's behind-the-scenes footage on YouTube, and I'm sure on the Blu-rays and stuff like that, where they show how they filmed that. And it's all green screened. The whole thing's green screened. When Superman is fighting the Flash in kind of in at Flash's speed, right? Um, the way they do it so that he when he punches those stone pillars, the way they still get him to impact something is they had guys in full green bodysuits with green pads, like uh, kind of like uh, martial arts pads. You know, something you would hit sure. in sparring or something like that or training. And so they would hold the pad up so that he would still strike something, so his arm would still look like it's impacting something. And then obviously they're just CGIing in all that the the pillars, the city, the all of that. Oh, interesting. And Ezra Miller was wearing some like waistband thing so that he could do those moves where he's kind of rolling his shoulders and rolling out of the way mm. without falling. Cool. So yeah. Interesting. It's interesting stuff if you want to see how they did it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Success for the action. Well, I had that opening scene, uh, that opening Batman scene as a fail, just all the way around. First off, I hate any scene where two people fly off of a roof and then end up right back on the same roof. Like, <laughs> Gotham City is a big city. If he's going to jump on a parademon and fly all around the city, what are the chances they land back on the same roof? Come on. And then uh, 
I love how the crook just knows everything. And he's like, oh, man, parademons, huh? That sucks. Superman's gone. Probably <laughs> opens up the world to a lot of dangerous people. Yeah. <laughs> like he just... <laughs> he's like, yeah, I've seen this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is, I, yeah, things are gonna happen. You should, you should look out, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I, in reading, I read a lot, so I might be jumbling up some of my backstories here. So this movie is directed and credited as directed by Zack Snyder. However, some things happen in his life, and he has to step away. Which I guess we could just get to now. Uh, there was a death in his family, and he has to step away. And Joss Whedon is brought in to help. He was brought in to help punch up the script a little bit. And then he's brought in to finish with the editing and then handle reshoots. And I believe this is one of the scenes that was reshot. And Joss Whedon and the actor who plays the crook tried to do it even funnier. They tried to make it a more comedic scene. Because who would try to do a robbery when Batman's around, right? Yeah. And the studio was like, nope, and just slap, smack him down. <laughs> and uh, I guess Joss Whedon like, apologized to him. It was like, you know, like something like some fights you win, some fights you lose, or something like that. So, yeah, so that whole scene. Yeah, it was rough. I'll, I'll, yeah, there's a couple things in this movie that will pop up where I couldn't really tell the difference between what was shot by Joss Whedon and what was shot by Zack Snyder. So I, I can't run through the movie and tell you what it was. I'm sure people that are very serious about the Snyder Cut can. So that that was one of the things I read in the backstory. Interesting. That's a fail for me. Yeah, yeah, fair. Side note before we go on, that robber is played by Holt McCallany. McCallany? I don't know how to say his name. He's stars in a really great show called Mindhunters that's on Netflix, which I highly recommend if you're into mm. like serial killer stuff. Interesting. It's like the formation of, you know, everyone knows Criminal Minds. It's like the formation of that part of the FBI. Ooh. Yeah. I like it. Like they coined the term serial killer. Like before that, there that didn't exist. They made it cool? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's great in that. Very good show. All right. There you go. Movie reviews and Netflix recommendations. There you go. What um, else you got successes and fails? I'll go with the... Uh, success i did like again without having a ton of context i did like the way they portrayed steppenwolf and kind of talked about his history and i, th I think what we got lived up to like the hype how they described him so when you kind of right after we first meet him they sort of talk about before he was was he? I don't know what, what cast away with. What, he forced, forced to retreat. Yeah, yeah but where know. was he the whole time? In... Okay, do you want to get into the? <laughs> go ahead. You go Let with your finish. success and fail, and then I will get into the lore. <laughs> anyway, the way they describe Steppen Steppenwolf when we first meet him early early ish in the movie, and what he does the rest of the movie, I thought went very well together. So the how he was sort of sold to us and how we saw him, I thought worked really well. And I thought he was really good supervillain as depicted. So yeah, so I gave it a success because I was like, this guy, solid supervillain. He seems mean. <laughs> we should stop him. <laughs> it makes sense too if he's one of your, if he was in consideration for one of your top actors, it makes sense that you yeah. give it a success there. Yeah. So here is the lore 
on this movie. And here's here's the stuff the movie should have told you about. So, Jack Kirby got really mad at Marvel Comics and in the 70s comes over to DC. And he creates this thing called the Fourth World. If you watch all the way to the end of the credits, there's a very tiny credit at the end that like thank you or it's like a thank you or a credit for Jack Kirby for creating the Fourth World. Now included in the Fourth World are the New Gods. Now the New Gods come from basically so he was working on like Thor when he was at Marvel and he was working on a lot of stuff but mm. like Thor was one of his babies and like so the Odin and the gods and Thor and like Thor being the god of lightning or whatever god of thunder whichever one he is and so all of these ideas he brought over to DC and he created these gods for DC and they come from two different planets realms I'm not sure one is called apocalypse and one's called new genesis I'm pretty sure Apocalypse are the bad guys and New Genesis <laughs> yeah. are the good guys. Yeah. The head of Apocalypse is Darkseid. Darkseid is mentioned once in this movie. Apocal or uh, Steppenwolf like says his name for a second. You blink and you miss it. Steppenwolf is his uncle and the leader of his armies. So basically his top general. Yeah. He's got yeah, like yeah. all these generals that work for him these folks from apocalypse and from new genesis are considered gods like zeus and thor and odin you know all these all the greek gods all the roman gods these are considered in dc world the gods the new gods so they have godlike powers so that is the lore they created the mother boxes or it's created on their worlds in their war between apocalypse and new genesis Oh, boy. So, yeah. So, that is where Steppenwolf comes from. Gotcha. That makes sense because I did – I'll do a quick piece of trivia while we're talking about it. In researching, I did read What's-His-Face was not happy with um, the guy that played Steppenwolf. Yeah. He was not happy with, like, the final cut of it because they – I think at one point there was more backstory, maybe explaining this dark side and all that jazz, and they decided to remove it in the final version. Yeah, there is a lot that needs explaining <laughs> uh, that got cut out. And here's why it got cut out. Here's some more trivia for you. Warner, I think Warner Brothers, uh, who owns this all, decided that this movie had to be under two hours. They thought that Batman versus Superman was too bloated, and they wanted a movie that was two hours or less. And they that was their mandate. Their marching orders had to be under two hours. And if you cut a movie this big down to two hours, you lose all that backstory. Sure. So, yeah. So, there's a lot. Go read Wikipedia pages upon Wikipedia pages about the fourth world, about the new gods. There's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot going on there. It is whacked out. If you read some of the things that were going on in these comic books, it is mind-blowingly <laughs> whacked out. It's incredible. They're probably all on LSD when they're writing this stuff. <laughs> but if you try to make a movie out of it and you don't explain it, and suddenly you have this godlike creature Steppenwolf with no explanation of where he comes from. So here's where we're going to get into my fail. Okay. All this setup stuff, all this backstory on the characters that we didn't already know. We knew Batman, we knew Superman, and we knew Wonder Woman coming into this thing. We know the Flash, and we've heard of him, we've heard of Aquaman, we've heard of... But they've never been established in this universe. Sure. All those scenes 
where they like quickly try to establish everything and rush through everything. I don't care about any of these scenes and it makes me not care about any of these characters as much as I should. Not the way like we care about, I'm going to compare it to the Avengers, not even close to the way we care about the Avengers and those characters because they've been established. We've learned about them. We've gone through things with them. The scene where like Flash, like we first meet the Flash, like there's no explanation of how he got his powers. Like what the hell? We're just how he built his suit. What what he's been doing? Apparently, he's just been pushing people out of the way. He's very. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like that. It, it's interesting, but we learn nothing about him, like how he got to this point. Right. Alfred is more of a. I wrote this down. Alfred is more of a sidekick than a butler. <laughs> These are all nitpicks, but they all come into this one fail. He doesn't butler at all. He doesn't give advice. He's literally like the tech guy. Yeah. I I wrote down, if you don't see the trailer, you would be completely lost (laughs) on all of these things. Uh, Cyborg's backstory. Apparently, there's a ton of deleted stuff with Cyborg. And, I mean, he was a high school football player. He was in an accident. The character of Victor Stone, like, it was all cut out. Just all cut out. Which is such a waste because he's so important. He should be the most vital character to this story because he's the most connected to the mother boxes. Right. So losing all that, like I wanted to care about him. He seems like an interesting character, but we don't learn enough about him. So why do you? So your fail is essentially that either do it well or don't do it at all. Don't give this like kind of half-assed explanation of why these people are involved or why they have their powers exactly exactly the other scene was the one between uh, lois and and mama clark like i i didn't care it was such a quick scene i don't care about lois's thirst to be a reporter anymore like it's not important to what's going on in the plot Mm -hmm. like what's happening to lois is important in the next superman movie right but not not in this plot at all yeah if, if you're telling me that Steppenwolf is coming down and Batman has to round everybody up, then just make that the movie. Yeah. And if you really, the plan was that this would then launch other movies, then you could go back and give me the full backstory if you're going to try to do it in this half-assed roundabout way. Yeah. That was going to be my next question was, was there, pre this movie, was there discussions about like Cyborg having his own movie or, or. Definitely Flash. And there still is plans to do a Flash movie with Ezra Miller. It's one of those things that, like, every few weeks there's a news report, you know, oh, we've lost the director, or or, there is a script, or (laughs) Ezra Miller still wants to do it, or it's called Flashpoint. (laughs) It would reset everything. The storyline of Flashpoint basically resets the world. I see. So they could do it anytime they want. They could pull the trigger on it and completely reboot their movie universe. (laughs) But, yeah, all these scenes... All these scenes just add up to one big fail for me. Fair. Yeah. Fair. I'll do a fail because I haven't done one yet. I did not like Henry Cavill as Superman. Ooh. I don't know if he was acting really well or because he was so awkward. And I don't know if it's supposed to be that way because I get that like, the story of Superman, like Clark Kent is not like, you know, Mr. Cool Guy. So maybe that was like supposed to be it. But it it almost felt like superficial. Like he was like. Is this because of his upper lip, Darren? <laughs> he was like Ken Barbie, like Ken 
but as Superman. Like he was like too like perfect looking and then like so dry and like had these like really terrible jokes that he would have. And I was just like, I don't know if you're like doing such a great job acting or doing a horrible, <laughs> horrible job acting. Because <laughs> I, cause I get it. Like may, maybe they're like, okay, of the group, you're like the most... I don't want to say stuck up, but the 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 stuffiest. He is the stuffiest. The Superman stuffiest. is by far the stuffiest right. superhero of all right. time. And I understand that. So, but I don't know. I just like it was too much. It was it was too Superman-ish. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you know the story about his upper lip? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> so when they did reshoots for the movie, he had already started filming the Mission Impossible movie. I forget which one. Okay. And in that he has a mustache. And I believe it's Paramount, who owns the Mission Impossible movies, refused to let him shave his mustache off <laughs> to do the reshoots of Superman. So they filmed it, and then they had to CGI his upper lip. <laughs> and awesome. it really messes you up. And this is going to lead into my fail, because one of my biggest fails for this is the CGI work in general. So yes, the upper lip, it, it's ridiculous. It, <laughs> If you know about it, then you could be like, all right, whatever. You can for- if, Once you know about it, you can forget about it and just enjoy Superman in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the one that really bothered me was Cyborg. The way his head moved in that suit didn't connect all the time. Yeah. And it seemed like his head was just kind of floating and not attached to that body. Whereas in Iron Man... They do the same thing. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is just wearing like red pajamas with you know the indicators all over it, but they make his head in that suit work. Yeah, you know it feels like he's wearing that armor. Yeah. And in this, not not once did it feel like Cyborg was actually wearing that armor. And then the other thing that's CGI are the backgrounds. The backgrounds felt like they were from a 1995 computer video game, <laughs> like the Russian nuclear wasteland background. Like, there's nothing back there. It's just this weird, empty redness. And then the scenes where they're fighting Superman in Metropolis, like, the cityscape did not feel connected at all to where they were fighting him at the memorial. And I don't understand. They also rushed this. I think they rushed the post-production a little bit because they wanted to get this movie out before the year was over. And there was a corporate merger going on with, like, Time Warner and... And yeah, so Warner Brothers, and so yeah, they they could have done so much better on the CG work here. That's fair. Yeah. So my other fail I had is basically related to that. My fail was just how they depicted Russia after it was getting infected or nuclear, whatever we're calling it. There was purple uh, roots. Yeah. Apparently, he's like <laughs> trying to use the mother boxes to like recreate his planet. I see. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but it it your um, a couple of things you said or or, or what I said. I, it made me think of like an old video game on Mars, or almost like we were watching like uh, Total Recall a little bit. Ooh, <laughs> nice <laughs> reference. Yeah, because it was just like with weird colors, and they kind of like contrasted oddly, and so, yeah, it was just. That whole world was just bizarre, and it didn't work. All right. Well, that's what I got. That's I've, my successes and fails. I have one more success. 
I want to give them is the minus Superman, mostly because he's not in a lot of the movie. The relationship that you felt between the team members, mm. I gave a success to. I thought that, you know, there was, you, you referenced Batman kind of coaching the Flash into this, you know, save one person, you know. So I felt like that there was a good cohesion that was happening. You had this kind of multi-tiered, like, new superhero, never done this before, with, like, been a superhero forever kind of thing, yeah. and, like, teaching each other. And so I thought the overall relationship that existed and the the bits of levity here and there I thought were done well to sort of cement that, where they kind of would make fun of each other for, you know, like like you know, like a group of friends would. So yeah, they gave a success to the team relationship. I will agree with that. I will agree. Like I, I said during the cast, uh, I think everybody fit their roles really well, and so that adds to the chemistry too. Yeah, strong strong team chemistry. I would I would like to see where this group would go. I would like to see another movie with a fully formed Justice League, you know, at a Hall of Justice, and uh, facing whatever next threat comes to Earth. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Darren, it's time to take a look at what the rotten Tomatoes critics said. Oh, boy. (laughs) Are there, like, page-long reviews? I mean, (laughs) a lot of these reviews are things we've kind of already covered. Oh, my God. So many of these critics are just trying to be funny. Uh. Peter Howell from the Toronto Star, his rotten review is, the film is marginally better than last year's sour and dispiriting Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, but that's like saying that dental surgery is preferable to passing a kidney stone. (laughs) Cue laugh track. (laughs) Stephanie Zacharak from Time Magazine completely missed the joke. She said Justice League is no magic carpet ride, no matter how hard it strives for multi-superhero awesomeness. The joke is Justice League is no magic carpet ride, no matter how much Steppenwolf you put into it. How did she miss that joke? I don't know. (laughs) For those of you who don't know older music, Steppenwolf the band did the song Magic Carpet Ride. Sarah Stewart from the New York Post, her writing review, a pointless flail of expensive, yet somehow cheap-looking, CGI that no amount of tacked-on quips or even Gadot's luminous star power can rescue. All right, let's take a minute to stew on this one from Sarah Stewart in the New York Post. The tacked-on quips. Like, I already talked about the CGI. We already talked about how great Gail Gadot is. The tact on quips. I believe what she's referring to here is the fact that Joss Whedon was brought in to punch up the script and make it funnier. Did it work for you? I would say 75% of it worked for me. For the most part, the little the little jokes and levity I thought were funny. I enjoyed them. And then there were a few here and there I was kind of just like, that eh, was dumb. If I had to say yes or no, I would say it, it worked for me. I would say f- this, the jokes from Aquaman worked... The physical stuff the Flash does works more, like the looks, his eyes, and uh, a lot of physical comedy. I'm pulling one of my quick picks here, but the scene where he realizes Superman can see him running at the Speed Force—that's <laughs> the—that's the funniest part of the movie, right there. That's the best. He's like, what? <laughs> and I don't understand why Wonder Woman can't. Yeah, I know Wonder Woman. Maybe I believe. I think, correct me if you're a Wonder Woman fanatic, but I believe it seems like her speed is more of a speed burst, whereas Superman can move 
at the speed that the Flash moves at. Yeah. So that's why Wonder Woman can't, I don't think, can see him moving in when he's running in the Speed Force. Yeah, that's fair. So she can block several bullets in a small area. Yeah, but it's more of a burst. Right. Yeah. Moving on to some of the fresh reviews. Michael O'Sullivan from the Washington Post agrees with you. He says, Ezra Miller's weird anti-heroic flash is one of the most refreshing breezes to blow through Justice League, making three years seem like a long time to wait for the character's 2020 standalone film. I don't even know if it's supposed to be 2020. Mm. I, I doubt it. I don't think I've even heard they've started filming anything. So, uh, so yeah, that's a, a critic that agrees with you on The Flash. Nice. Mark... Daniel from the Toronto Sun. I don't know what movie he watched. His fresh review. Batman and Wonder Woman are the de facto leaders of the team, but what Justice League does really well is give moviegoers a chance to get to know the new characters. (laughs) Yeah. I would have enjoyed if the movie... Here's another way you could start the movie. Start the movie with The Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman. No Wonder Woman, no Batman yet. Do the first 20 minutes of the movie. Now, again, they're hampered by this two-hour time limit, so throw that rule out. The first 20, 30 minutes of the movie, just them. And, like, what their worlds are like with Superman gone, and now, you know, they're like, man, you know, I got to be the hero in my own little world, and then Batman and Wonder Woman show up. Flip that perspective around and actually let us get to know these new characters. Rather than it being like a recruitment campaign by Batman and Wonder Woman, have it kind of be the opposite. Yeah, all of a sudden they show up on your doorstep and it's a call, you know, and you're being called to action. Yeah. Interesting. I think you just pitched your sequel or sidequel or (laughs) remake. Remake or. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've got my, uh, I've got my movie. Don't you worry. (laughs) All right, Darren. I, I think that covers us on the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers here. Most of them are saying either, I didn't like it or. I kind of liked it. <laughs> Not too in-depth this week. That are trying to make jokes, which, hey, I can't blame them. We yeah. make jokes on the show. So, yeah. Darren, speaking of sequels, that moves us into the segment where we have to pitch a sequel. We have to take on the giant task of being Warner Brothers executives and pitch our sequels, prequels, sidequels, remakes to 2017's Justice League. What do you got for me? I don't have a ton of detail about this because it's sort of a large idea of multiple movies. But what I like about some of the Marvel stuff is how like Thanos shows up kind of in in several movies, like kind of weaves yeah. his, and he's sort of like the scariest villain, right? Of right for the most part. Before doing this kind of movie, I don't know, in in my mind it just makes sense to give these characters their own movies before you put everyone together. Absolutely. <laughs> so so I would love to do that, and then you can, within each of those movies, you can build Steppenwolf's history just like they do in Marvel with Thanos' history because kind of like you get to learn how everyone sort of has a relationship with him for whatever reason. Without further detail, <laughs> that would that would basically be it. Give Cyborg a movie, give Flash a movie, give, I mean, they did give Aquaman a movie and they're supposed to give Flash a movie. Yeah, they did the Aquaman movie after. Right. So do it before this and then weave in 
Steppenwolf, and therefore when everybody comes together and there's this giant battle against Steppenwolf, it makes a lot more sense. I'm going to have to give the Aquaman movie another chance. I started watching it, and I was like, this is this is awful. And I just turned it off after like a half hour. I couldn't. Maybe I need to give it another chance. I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah. Here's what I'm pitching. And I, I was almost going to use it as a success, but I decided to save it for this moment. My favorite scene in the movie might be the flashback scene. I think it's Wonder Woman who gives us the down low on uh, Steppenwolf's history. And the fact that the Amazonian warriors and the Atlanteans and the humans and the gods, the old gods, all can the um, and the Green Lantern Corp all came together to fight Steppenwolf's first invasion thousands of years ago. And bury the mother boxes around the world, yeah, around the universe. Around the universe. Yeah. That was so cool. That scene was so cool. Seeing the Amazonian warriors ride into battle and then like jump off their horses. Yeah. Uh, seeing the gods thrown in there. Seeing a Green Lantern flying around. That scene was so awesome. I want to get to know those characters. So I'm pitching a prequel. I'm pitching a, uh, I think I think they called it the Age of Heroes or something like that. Okay. I know Age of Heroes is a thing in uh, Game of Thrones. It's a big thing. Yeah, I want to see like an Age of Heroes, which, which technically I think in the comic book lore, now Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman is known as the Age of Heroes. I, I maybe called the Old Gods. I don't know. <laughs> I want to see this story of how the Amazonians and the Atlanteans and the men, age of men, all came together to fight off this first invasion. It's kind of like Lord of Rings, Lord of the Rings meets superheroes, yeah. sort of. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How these Greek gods are involved in the mythology of comic books, like, yeah, it'd be a badass movie. Yeah. I like it. I dig it. There you go. We got. Those are our pitches. Hundred fifty million dollars laying around. <laughs> Crank. Crank that up. $250 million later. Yeah. I think this thing had a budget of... This is... All right, we'll get, we'll get to that in trivia. I'm going to save that for trivia. I'm teasing that one out. I got some data for you. All right, Darren, it is time for our quick picks. It's time for our nitpicks of the movie. It's time for those last little details that we need to talk about. What do you got for me this week in quick picks? I actually have a lot this week, more than normal. So my first one is, so they lose the house. Superman's mom loses the house. Or I guess Lois Lane and Superman's mom lose the house because he couldn't, there, there wasn't a Superman anymore. Was was Is Supermaning a well-paying job or was working at the newspaper really that lucrative? <laughs> was the farm in operation? I don't know. I mean, he couldn't have been farming. He's got a lot of other stuff going on. She could have still been farming. Yeah. I Yeah, I had this down too. It's like, why did they lose the house? Just because he <laughs> didn't seem like didn't seem like he was the breadwinner. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, was there no life insurance policy? Yeah, I guess not. No, no insurance company would. would it's too high risk. If you're Superman to get insured. <laughs> That's a stand-up joke right there. <laughs> That'd be the ultimate policy. You'd never have to pay it out. Who's going to kill Superman? You'd just be collecting premiums forever. 
That's true. There's a, that's a different way to look at it. <laughs> you would just have a premium for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My first quick pick, did they call that Russian town Bazarnov? <laughs> I don't know. Pretty sure I they hope, called I hope it so. <laughs> Bazarnov, Russia. It sounds like it's from like Simpsons. All right, my real my real first I got a question for oh, that you. That wasn't the real one? <laughs> I like that one. I mean it is, but what did you think of this Alfred? Oh, he's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your best Alfred of all time? I mean, Michael Caine is solid. He's a solid Alfred. I knew you were gonna go there. You are a Kane enthusiast. Oh, I love him. He's Apparently, Andy Serkis is going to play Alfred in the new Batman movie that's coming out. Interesting. That one will be really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. He's so good as a villain and as a... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we had Jeremy Irons in this one. Sean Pertwee played him in Gotham, a younger Alfred. Hmm. It's not bad. Uh, Michael Gow played him in like the four 90s, 89 and the 90s Batman movies. Okay. I say he's pretty good as just the butler part. Yeah, as just butlering, he might be the best. Yeah, Ralph Fiennes did him in the Lego movies, and then Alan Napier did him in the old '60s TV show. <laughs> I don't know. Michael Caine's like the right mix of like servant, but also like friend and confidant at the same time. Like, like the real, especially in the Batman be Batman Begins movie where. He's like the the only person like keeping the whole family life together. Like he's like the only one. He's he's like the shareholder, the most important shareholder because yeah. people are dying or not paying attention or what I don't know. I'm gonna give mine to Michael Gao from All the nineties. Right. I just I like Alfred as that I mean, he plays he plays aloof to what's going on around him, f- almost for like plausible deniability. Yeah. So if Commissioner <laughs> Gordon ever shows up on his doorstep, he could be like, "I, I don't a, a bat uh, flying around the city. I don't know what you're talking about. I've, I just Mr. Wayne does keep strange hours, but uh, <laughs> that's no crime. <laughs> Make a good Saturday Night Live sketch. I just. <laughs> Alfred just pretending like he has no clue what's going on to the cops. <laughs> that is funny. Oh, man. All right, what do you got? What else you got for me in quick picks? One of the opening scenes early on in the movie when, in, I assume they're in London or something like that, and those criminals bust into that school, and they're just going to like blow up like half of London or something like that. The guard that's outside, the one guy... Only has a pistol, and he, he's you know the main guy, and he walks. He doesn't he hasn't drawn his pistol yet, but he walks past the guard, out of this van, past the guard. But before he walks past him, several other people come out of this van with machine guns, and he doesn't pay at all attention to the guy that walked past him. It's like, oh, I know he came from the same van, but I'm sure he's not a criminal. The rest of the guys in that van, they're criminals. <laughs> <laughs> And then he gets shot in the back of the head because he wasn't paying attention. That's weird. Yeah. That's very weird. I also had a uh, nitpick about that scene. I think they call themselves reactionary terrorists. Oh. Is that a thing? I don't know. And the thing they're reacting to is the world losing hope because Superman is gone. I think that's what it made it sound like. Yeah. 
They were gonna they were gonna start it all over. That's weird. It is weird. That's really weird. It's kind of cultish. Yeah. Cultish. Yeah. I do you think the world would turn to shit if we had a Superman and he died? I don't know. You're like putting two <laughs> you're putting a hypothetical based on a hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap your brains around that one. <laughs> Hypothetical inception. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I mean, we would mourn the loss, but we wouldn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, not to bring things down too much, but (laughs) we just, when we're recording this, we just lost Kobe Bryant a few days ago. And we could see that, I mean, days later, the world is still shook up about it. Yeah. But I don't think if a figure like Superman. Because they never established that they never established that the world felt safe because Superman existed. Yeah, I guess it's just supposed to be an assumption or something. Yeah, like some people liked him, some people hated him. There was always that like, should we trust him? Should we try an alien from another world? Should we trust him? He's always had to deal with that in his comic book history. So to suddenly say the whole world is like, oh man, fuck it, Superman's gone. Let's just commit some crimes and blow this place up. Like I don't I don't see the world turning to shit like that. Yeah. That they really held on to that idea though. That was like yeah. It's the central theme of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And now that he's back now that he's back, I wrote down, Do you have hope now? <laughs> Next one I had was Ben Affleck answering some question about something that he has or does with I'm rich. <laughs> that cracked me up. Because <laughs> it's so, you know, in all these movies, especially with Batman, there's many, many, many conveniences that are ju- aren't just, they're just not talked about because he's like, oh, well, he has endless money, so he can do whatever he wants. And so it's funny to hear it said. <laughs> so bluntly. So bluntly, yes. All right, I got a line that cracked me up. It's from Aquaman when he goes, just like a bat. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the things Jason Momoa says cracked me up in yeah, this movie. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. I know we said we were going to talk about this, so I'll start talking about it. The Nightcrawler. So the Nightcrawler is a vehicle. One of the many bat vehicles. Yes, one of the many bat vehicles that exist that they use in this movie. I'm sure it's called the Batcrawler or something like that. Is it called Nightcrawler? <laughs> I think it's Nightcrawler. Okay. They use it to fly in there. That's how they get there. And then later, it crawls, hence its name. But when it started crawling, I was like, if it would just fly, it would be there way faster. <laughs> it starts, it, the first thing it does is crawls up a wall that's right, like perpendicular wall and right next to it. And I was like, it's so slow. Wait, is it the same vehicle? Yeah. It might be two different vehicles. I don't think it is. Yeah, he could have just... Why do you need it to crawl at all? It could just fly through the tunnels. I don't know. It's because they get off of it, and then it's just hanging out there. You know, it's parked. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, nightcrawler mode. And then very slowly climbs the wall. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it cra- not it me up. not Batman's best vehicle. It's <laughs> no. no Batcopter from the 1960s Batman. No, 
I didn't see a can of uh, bat shark repellent in there either. It's a... <laughs> did this Batman have a utility belt? Ooh. I don't think he did. I don't know. He definitely had utilities. He had the grappling gun. Yeah, he had things. I just we didn't see where he store them. I got to see an image. Ah, yes, he did. Oh, did he? He did. Looking, yeah, looking at some images here, it looks like he did indeed have a utility belt. It's nice. Just, it blends in a lot with his outfit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So my uh, my next quick pick, speaking of people's equipment, man, like I got to bounce back for every quick pick you have this week. <laughs> if the Flash needs special space tech on his suit so it doesn't burn up when he's running in the Speed Force, mm-hmm. how does he flash in his normal clothes? Ooh, yeah. There were plenty of times where he ran around really quickly in his normal clothes. Yeah, he paints, he does the drawing on the guy behind him at, in the jail. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. No fires. His clothes do not burn up at all. Huh. Take that, continuity. <laughs> Next one I had was, it's a very emotional, supposed to be emotional scene between Lois Lane and Superman when he comes back after they revive him. And Amy Adams' line, they're standing there next to each other. Amy Adams looks at Superman and goes, you smell good. <laughs> yes. You smell good. <laughs> death death has been good to you. You smell nice. <laughs> I was like, you smell good. <laughs> this is supposed to be like a romantic moment or like a very emotional. He was dead. Now he's alive. I was like, who wrote that? Jesus. Maybe it was one of those punch-up lines from Joss Whedon or... Yeah. The other writer on this is a guy named Chris Terrio who just wrote the ninth Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, and is getting a lot of shit for that movie. Oh, boy. So, yeah. So, uh, this guy has gotten some huge projects and uh, hasn't always come through. Has not always succeeded. Yeah, you really have to you have to watch something as it exists because there's something to be said about timing. <laughs> when you, The timing of that... You smell good was not good time. And we got it, baby. <laughs> oh, wait. Was that, was that not timed right? <laughs> What's your next one? My next one. Again, going with the resurrection of Superman here. How was watching the mother box not included in the plan? They're like, we'll use the mother box to resurrect Superman. Yeah. Oh, no. He's escaped <laughs> and is now in the city. We have to go, you know check on him completely forget about the mother box nobody checked on the mother box not flash grab the mother box and meet us there like just, <laughs> you're right, you're just right. left it all alone and then they're like oh there goes steppenwolf oh he's got the third one dang <laughs> uh, uh in the words of tony stark not a great plan <laughs> the next one i had was this cracked me up because I, I didn't get it until it until they showed it. Aquaman sitting on the truth rope. Oh yeah, <laughs> he starts being like <laughs> the I, lasso of truth. The yeah. lasso of truth. Yeah, I really thought that he was like kind of like, you know, I, I said that I felt the relationship between the team was solid, so I thought he was you know coming coming down to a level a little bit. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <just> <laughs> <laughs> cracked me up, <laughs> nice. and I was like, nice. Good job, guys. Good good use of that. 
Oh, all right. I do not have one that ties into that. I, I have a, uh, a question I answered myself in my research, and it ties back to my research from the fourth world and the new gods and all that. Who operates that blue sky beam that Steppenwolf uses, and where does it go? He just keeps beaming away. That's what I mean. Like, I don't, is he traveling to another dimension? Like, what's. I, I believe, if my research is correct, it's called a boom tube. Oh, good name. And I think he is traveling back to that apocalypse planet. Okay. Okay. But Again, I know, but I that's my assumption based on reading about what the fourth world is all about. Nothing in the movie gives you any context to that. So Yeah, this is the kind on. of stuff that would be very helpful. Yeah. If we knew this ahead of time. Like, oh, he's doing that thing. I've seen that thing. Maybe one scene of where he went. Or is he just going up to a spaceship? Yeah. Going to a different part of the world? I don't know. Who knows? My last one, so they fly to the to Russia, that part of Russia that's where that Steppenwolf has made his home base. And they have a plan. They're talking about, you do this, this, this. And they all get off, and they're talking to each other. And like Batman's like, all right, you guys do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to get back in the plane, and I'm going to go shoot this stuff. <laughs> And again, this is a timing thing. It just felt like he walked out and was like, hmm, things look rough out here. <laughs> it's like, I'll be in the plane. <laughs> and they all, and there's, the shot is all of them watching him fly away. They're all like looking up like, oh, there goes Batman. And then they also watch him like, yeah, wrecking shop, shooting down a bunch of parademons shooting down the tower or whatever and they're just like wait was that the plan <laughs> right it cracked me up i was like it just looked like he was like "Ooh, i'm gonna be over here you guys you okay <laughs> and they never even call him on it they're like they're not like bruce you're such a goddamn loner like yeah. what the hell right, right right they're like all right let's get into the fight yeah my last quick pick i'm sorry i know you liked him but Barry Allen runs weird. He runs weird, Darren. His arms like and his legs flail way too far out to the side. He looks like he's swimming. Hmm. Like doing a swimming stroke almost. The Barry Allen on the TV show yeah. looks a lot more like a speed skater. Ah. When he's running in the speed force. He kind of chops the air like Tom Cruise. And it looks like his feet are kind of gliding like a speed skater. Got it. I don't know what this guy was doing. <laughs> That's fair. I could see that. I could see where you where you saw where it looks like flailing. Yeah, he's a young kid. Maybe he needs some time <laughs> to really, you know, nail it down. Well, he's supposed to get another movie, so we will see if he still runs weird yeah. in his solo movie. <laughs> all right, Darren. My lesson this week was all that backstory on the fourth world and all that. Some comic book lore. I don't have a lesson. I do have some trivia. If you'd like to hear some trivia before we. Uh, before we get out. Sure. Let's do it. So, uh, like I said, this movie, in some respects, did well at the box office. It had a worldwide total of $657 million against a production budget of $300 million. That's right, $300 million. However, with, I think with marketing and reshoots and everything that was done, the estimated break-even point was $750 million for this movie. And it did not get there. They reported that the studio lost around $60 million. 
I think it's like deemed the highest grossing box office bomb of all time, which is a, just a strange sentence. Yeah. Highest Rampi- gr- grossing box office bomb. <laughs> right? Because it like it made almost you know $657 million at the box office, which for 99% of movies would be a huge win. Yeah. But when you spent $750 million between making it, fixing it, marketing it yeah it's a loss yeah i guess if you if you bought something for 999 dollars and sold it for a thousand you only made a dollar yeah <laughs> interesting so yeah that's my uh, that's my first piece of trivia i got some good stuff this week when the film got shown in iceland which used subtitles rather than dub you know dub other actors doing the lines in the icelandic language Jason Momoa's pronunciation of his single line of Icelandic dialogue was deemed so unintelligible that it had to be subtitled into Icelandic, often <laughs> resulting in a big laugh by the audiences there. That's funny. The one line of dialogue they're supposed to understand. They probably just like plugged it into Google Translate. And like, that's probably right. <laughs> yeah, like we've done on this show. <laughs> Yeah, but where it's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my next bit of trivia. Some of the gods seen defending Earth in that flashback scene are Zeus, Ares, and Artemis. So there you go. If you're wondering who the gods were in my uh, in my prequel movie, those are the Greek gods that I'm including. All right, cool. There you go. You got some trivia for us? I do have a quick one. Hans Zimmer dodged a bullet by not participating in this movie because he claimed that he was no longer he was done with superhero movies, not going to do them anymore. But then he turned around and did X Men in 2019. So, but it's fine. <laughs> or not X Men, Dark Phoenix. But yeah, you know what I mean. One um, of the X Men movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's that. I mentioned that there was a planned Justice League in. Tw- in 2007 so it was going to be directed by george miller and here was his cast he had dj Catarona as superman don't know army hammer as batman model megan gale as wonder woman i apparently she doesn't act that much that they had to specify model in mm-hmm. here anyways uh rapper common as the green lantern john stewart adam brody as the flash barry allen that one's interesting uh, Santiago Cabrera as Aquaman, Hugh Keys Byrne as Martian Manhunter, and a few other people. And Jay Baruchel as Maxwell Lord. Who, However, is, who is Batman? Did you say that already? Army Hammer. Oh, as Batman. Who you may know as the Lone... I think he was the Lone Ranger. Yeah. So yeah, so that was his cast. What do you think? That cast versus the cast we got? Mm, I like the cast we got, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you were... Trying a st- to establish new actors, young actors, me nah, I like the cast we got. <laughs> if you're doing one of those other movies where you're introducing a new superhero, then I, I think it's probably easier to use maybe a less known name because you're introducing a whole new person, and so it kind of goes hand in hand, opposed to when you're doing like a con- this conglomeration of superheroes, people expect big ticket names. All right, and then the last thing we have to talk about, we have to mention it before we make our final decisions, the Snyder Cut. Did you come across this in any of your research? I 
did read a, that it was a thing, but I didn't get into the details about it. Please educate me. I mean, maybe this is my lesson. So there is a huge movement out there. Release the Snyder Cut. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Some of the actors have stepped up and said, we've seen the Snyder Cut. It exists. You know, Zach's basically... Zack Snyder stepped away from this movie because there was a tragedy in his family. But some people also wonder if he was forced out and then this tragedy in his family is just kind of used as a cover for it or he wasn't allowed back in. And so people are really mad and they're really mad with the cut we got and they want to see what Zack Snyder would have done. Some of the footage that got cut out, some of the things he filmed, would it have been a darker movie? They wanted that dark, gritty tone that that was in the last Batman and Superman movie. So it's this huge thing. They've like put up billboards at Comic-Cons. They've, it's insane. People have spent actual money on this, not just tweeting about it and talking about it on their podcast with their friends. They've, (laughs) Oh, my God. The investment in the Snyder Cut. When HBO, which is owned by Warner, decided they're going to have a new streaming service, everyone was like, oh, they'll release the Snyder Cut on the streaming service. What a perfect way to drive people to the streaming service. And they're like, no, we're not. No. And they keep (laughs) denying it. And then there's other people that deny it even exists. Some people say it's just a, um, I forget what the name of it, but basically a cut before the movie is actually edited down. So you lay out everything you have. And so, like, no real editing has been done on it. And it's everything. It's probably not that enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and it'd be, like, four hours long or something (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) So, yeah, so if you would like to read more about the Snyder Cut, I I would be curious, some of the things that were cut out, for especially, I know that Snyder thought that Cyborg was going to be, like, a really central part. And I I think I said that earlier, that I, I thought Cyborg needed to be the central character in this movie. So that's the only thing I'll give credit to. If Snyder has way more cyborg stuff that he was going to put in and way more backstory, then sure, give me a Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at this point, I don't care. I I don't. <laughs> I, I am perfectly fine with them moving forward and just making new movies and going. We're just gonna. We're just gonna move on. It's fair. Hashtag Snyder cut. All right, Darren. It is time for us to make our decision. Once and for all, Justice League 2017, is it a good movie or is it a bad movie? I think some people maybe would have guessed these results from the very beginning. But despite our conversation and probably from where I was coming from, I said this is a good movie. As a standalone action superhero movie, I was entertained enough to call this a good movie. Even so, there were issues with it about being introduced to characters and not really having much backstory besides the ones you kind of already are familiar with. And so that's a little jarring. But I mean, I think for your average moviegoer that they can, if they're not familiar with superhero movies or aren't committed to the DC world, they could forgive that. If you're looking for just getting an entertaining movie, action movie, out of your two hours then this provides that. But if you're looking to get the context that you're expecting, being a DC movie fan, a DC comic fan, then you're going to say this is a bad movie because it doesn't put any of the things together that you wish it would. I will say that this is good actors 
playing good characters in a bad movie. I will agree I was entertained. I absolutely was entertained. I did not complain. I did not think I wasted my two hours watching this. I had fun with it. But there is so much wrong with this movie. (laughs) From the backstory to the, you know, the CG work to the, the, the way it's edited. Yeah. Uh, they they had something they could have had something here like i'm a much bigger marvel fan i will admit the marvel movies but i was completely willing to get on board with the dc stuff i might not have rushed out to see it in the theaters like i will a marvel movie but when it came on hbo i was excited to watch them and the way they just built these backstories and all the bad press it got from when it was released in theaters just drove all the excitement out I'm glad we watched it, though. I'm glad we watched and review it because it is fun. And I now have a deeper appreciation for what DC Comics are all about, having done the research on this. Like I said, it's weird, man. It gets... <laughs> you think Marvel and, like, Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy is weird? That, it, like, I loosely... For some reason, I forgive all that weirdness. <laughs> Whereas the weirdness here, I just can't wrap my head around it yet. This whole fourth world thing and the new gods and dark side, there's a lot going on. So uh, that's what we thought. That's our review of Justice League. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know (laughs) there's a lot to digest with this movie because there's a lot of backstory to the story and then there's a lot of backstory to the production. So Mm -hmm. a lot going on this week. Coming up next week, things are not going to get any simpler. We are not easing off of this thing at all (laughs) sonic sonic the hedgehog is gonna be in theaters next week he made it to the live screen (laughs) despite what everyone thought of that first trailer (laughs) and so uh we are gonna do a video game movie we gotta do a video game movie in honor of sonic now we had a couple to choose from and what we settled on because we both have not seen it yet is this very specific 2018's the the newest Tomb Raider movie starring Alicia Vikander. It's available, I think, on Hulu and Amazon if you have a Cinemax subscription. So do what I'm going to do and sign up for the seven-day free trial and then cancel it. Watch Tomb Raider and come back and join us next week. And we'll take this. By the way, it's a 6.3 on IMDb and a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we'll run this meh movie through our categories and see if me and Darren think it's a good movie or a bad movie. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. You can follow us on Twitter at NoMehMovies. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Thanks for supporting the show, everyone. And the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance and tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Is Zeus a Greek god or a Roman god? I never remember. No idea. Greek god.